Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We have been considering the book of Proverbs now since last June. Um, and I meant to look at this stat this morning and I forgot to. But bigger context, because so many people are, are so new here. This actually is the tail end of a seven-year study of the entirety of the Word of God. Those seven years have, you know, if a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a, a day to God, we're not quite sure what the seven years have been. But it's like ten years, I think, at this point. And so, so we're finishing up our seven-year um, study of the Word of God. So Steve is going over the book of Malachi um, on Wednesday nights, yes? Yeah, and so that, that ends it there. So the plan is, when we're done with the book of Proverbs, is to, for a Sunday morning, to transition to the book of John. Um, one of the things that we want to do as an assembly is continually focus on the Christ. Um, that's the purpose for us gathering together. And so it's important, as Paul declared, to proclaim the whole counsel of God, not to shun to declare the whole counsel of God and to teach it, but to make sure that every other year or every, once every three years we're coming through and considering the life of Christ and what he has done for us. And so um, we've not ever actually gone through the, the Gospel of John on a Sunday morning. And so we've done Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so now it's time to do John. And so hopefully in a few weeks from now we'll be beginning that. Um, so back to Proverbs. We have spent then the last, what, six, seven months... Um, considering the book of Proverbs with a little hiatus around Christmas time, considering this is, I think, less than 26, if I remember right, David. Wasn't 26 the number on the front of that presentation? It was. So this is a 26th installment of our considering of, of the book of Proverbs. Um, and again, it's kind of like John says about the, the, the writings of Jesus. They could just go on and on and on, and we could continue to, to having messages in the book of Proverbs. There's just so many pearls and nuggets that are there. But we have considered all these things way back in the beginning, but the, over the last couple months we've been looking at the pearls of wisdom that are found in the book of Proverbs, considering each of these pearls as we've gone through. Last week we began looking at the family by considering um, some general principles right off the bat, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on those right now, other than to, as a reminder to us of them, that God will bless the home of the just or the righteous. We saw that a couple weeks ago when we considered pearls regarding the righteous, but then it comes back into the home. And so God promises to bless the home where individuals are focusing on him, that where he is being revered, where he is being adored, where he is being taught, God promises that he's going to come in and he's going to bless um, that home. Um, That when parents, when men, specifically the righteous man, but also adults, when they're walking in the integrity, and so not necessarily in their own integrity, but it is their integrity from the point of view of their belief structure in Christ, right? Their children are going to be blessed after them. And so again, just that pattern as we see it throughout the world, that the, the child of a smoker is more, going to be more inclined to smoke. The child of someone who is addicted to alcohol tends to be addicted to alcohol. Children of divorced parents tend to make it easier to get a divorce. 
So sin passes down. But the other side is righteousness passes as well. So we read that in Ezekiel chapter 18, and that it has to be the decision, an ardent decision of the child to go against the path and what they've been taught by their parents. Okay? And so then these last two then talk about just how better it is to be in a house where there's, where there's not a whole lot. Poverty. But rejoicing in the Lord. Because when people are focused on Christ, then there will be love and true feasting and quietness and peace. But when people are focusing on the things of the world, there's never going to be that. Because you never have enough. It's selfishness. Last week, specifically, then we looked at the marital relationship and what the book of Proverbs talks about, then the husband and the, the wife and how that applies. And so, again, there's a whole lot less verses on the husband. And as I shared last week, that's because as we went through talking about the righteous, the reality is that the predominant of all these verses are talking to the man. It was a man-centric um, uh, culture, thank you, man-centric culture um, that they were in. And so, as I shared about the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that when Moses was giving the Shema, that's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, when he, and, and then the whole writings of Deuteronomy, when, that's his, in fact, the book of Deuteronomy is his final message to the children of Israel. I always tell people, if you think I preach long, then just go to Deuteronomy when you start with verse 1 of chapter 1, set the timer, and then read the rest of it. And when you get to the end, find out how long it was. That was Moses' um, last message to them. And they were probably standing the whole time. So, so in that, he's talking to the men. And he tells the men that they need to have a proper faith. That the Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength. In the words which I teach you, that's the men this day, they shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, whether you're sitting in a house, whether you're walking away. And so that's important, again, as we play into, coming into today as well, because as we saw about the marital relationship, today we want to look at the parental relationship. And so many times um, we, we place, like, the teaching of the kids upon the, upon the wife, upon the mother. And it's supposed to be a team effort as we're going to see as we come through this okay so again like last week we picked on the husbands and then we picked on the the wife okay i'm an equal opportunity offender and so um so today um we're going to be doing the same thing overall though the principle that we want to to follow is what we see in proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 and so many people know this verse okay but i think a lot of times this verse is not fully understood and so I want to look at it real quick, and then it's going to apply into that. So train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old, he'll not what? Depart from it. The word train literally is the word chanak, which is where we get the word chanukah from, or hanukkah, hanukkah, okay? And literally it means to dedicate. And so on your sermon note sheet, you have the verses um, in the Old Testament, a word that word is being used. And you can check me out on this one, okay? It doesn't mean to train. It doesn't mean to teach. The word literally means to dedicate. So change the word. Put, put it in there. Dedicate a child. 
in the way he shall go. Now, we get the concept of absorbing out of that, training them, teaching them. But the reality is, there's a, there's, in my mind, I don't want to like, make this a bigger thing than it has to be. But for me, it's a much bigger concept. I am, the, the term is often used of things that are dedicated to the Lord. So when I have this child, I'll pick on Anna again, since she's the only one of my children sitting up front right now, right? Okay. And so she gets that. She's like, I can't wait till I get older and I can sit back. Anyways, but, but each one of the children then, Marcia and I have sought to dedicate to the Lord verbally to ourselves, making a commitment that we understand that God has given us this special treasure, not for our glory, but for his, that he desires for us to raise godly offspring. Now, I have an incredible job in, in, in that, and I have not necessarily always done it right. In fact, probably, and I've got numerous of my kids here. Yeah, don't, don't, I knew you were going to go there, Matt. And so, it's nice to have you today, Matt. Anyways, so, um, but, but they'll testify. I have probably blown it much more than I'd like to admit. Okay, I mean, I could, I could tell you the times that I've blown it. And if I can remember the times I've blown it, you know there's a whole lot more times than in their heart. I mean, you remember that with your moms and dads, right? There are times when they hurt you, and they probably had no clue, they, no intent, but they have no clue that they even did it. Okay? And they probably have no memory of it. I remember having a, ta- a conversation with my dad when I was in seminary. I was still holding grudges against my dad. And there were things that were blocking our fellowship. And I feel bad for my dad that I dumped, okay? But, but I acknowledge the fact that probably part of it was me. But there were things that he had no clue, no... He remembered the instances. But not that they were that traumatic to Bob. And so, um, so it's important that I have to have in my mind that I need to dedicate my children in the way they should go. So keep this in context of the book of Proverbs, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. And so as I then am seeking to dedicate my child in the way he should go, the reality is I've got to become dependent upon who? The Lord. Because I can't understand it. Okay? And so all I become or should become is a middleman. It's almost like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, saying, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So not just follow me, but follow me as I'm following Christ. But that's my job, then, as a parent, to try to disciple my children. So in my mind, my relationship with my children, and again, have I been perfectly perfect in this? Not at all. Is to see myself as a discipler. That's what it is, because I have a chance to disciple them for 18 years. Sometimes less, sometimes more. And then what? Then they're on their way. Right now, what's fun though is again these other two words came up: the word child and old. 
So the word child, train up a child, or dedicate a child in the way he shall go, is we think then um, as a baby, but not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily. It can be a child or it can be up to a young man. But the word zechen then for old literally means old. Okay, I am old. I'm getting older all the time, but that's okay. I told Jessica the one time, Jessica kind of harassed me that, you know, you're going to be 65 when Anna graduates. I was already old. didn't bother me. I said, you know, you're going to be 40 when she graduates. <laughs> Live by the sword, die by the sword, you know? You want to start messing with me, baby? Let's do it, okay? I'm already old. You will be old, okay? But understand the principle. If you dedicate your child, even teenager, you could put in here, in the way they should what? Go. Then when they become ancient... They won't what? Depart from it. Isn't that kind of interesting? It's amazing to me how many times I see older people wanting to get back to what they were brought up in. It's like we go through this period of time of wandering. It's not like the Israelites, you know? We go through this wilderness wandering time. And all of a sudden we come to wake up one day and we realize what? Where do, how did I get where I'm at? This isn't really good. And then it's like people getting back to where they need to be. So this is a promise. It's a principle, but I think it's a promise. I think it's if we honestly seek to dedicate our children to the Lord and prayerfully place them there, that God will be true to his word. That as they get old, even if they've wandered away, they'll wander back. Okay, Not because of their own wisdom and ability, but because God is... And he's faithful to direct. That's exactly right. So, let's continue on then. Um, regarding instruction. David, can you put back on me? Thank you. Okay, the practice. Okay, so we've got a lot of verses here we want to look at. What does this look like in practice to the parents? Okay, so let's start with Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. So hopefully you got your Bible open and we're going to be reading all through these. Okay, Proverbs 1, verse 8. My son, hear the instruction. That's the word musar. We talked about musar months ago, okay? But literally the word musar is mityasar, okay? Yasar means then chastisement. And so mityasar means with chastisement. So musar is with chastisement, okay? And so when you hear instruction here, think discipline. Now, not negative, okay, so again, we think discipline, we think spanking on the butt, here's, you know, the Board of Education is going to meet the seat of learning, okay, and, and, and that kind of stuff, but discipline is training, okay? So, my son, hear the instruction of your mother, right? It doesn't say that. It says the instruction of the father, okay? And do not forsake the law, the Torah, the teaching of your mother. So again, both sides have a play a part to play in this, okay? People will say, oh, you, can, you don't need a father in the home. Now, if there's a death, whatever, you can survive. But the reality is God designed the, the family relationship as he designed the family relationship. And that is that there would be a husband and a wife. There would be the husband or the, the father and the 
mother, okay? And both have a part to play in that family, okay? Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's mitzvah, his command, with command. And do not forsake the law, Torah, of your mother. Okay, so again, note there are two sides here. The father has the discipline and the command. The mother has the what? The teaching, okay? And so, but they play in together. And we see this in a lot of houses. I mean, honestly, okay? That doesn't mean that the mother should never discipline the child, okay? Or chasten whatever. But the reality is that there is this concept where the mother is more of a nurturing spirit, right? And the father is more of the um, disciplining spirit, if you would, okay? And God designed it this way. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's musar, instruction. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, we're going to see these verses again in a little bit when we come back to the children, okay? Because clearly there's two sides of this, isn't there? Okay? Proverbs 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Okay? So, that's the practice as far as the teaching, but there's another side, and that is fathers and mothers, you need to actively involved, but there's another side here, and that in this practice part, not just in the actual um, technicalities of doing it, but now, how does it happen? Because when we used to teach the Growing Kids God's Way classes, you know, people, didn't, they, they wanted to get into the, how should I spank, how many times should I spank, da, 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 but we spent 12 weeks of classes before we ever got to that part, because the reality is, Growing Kids God's Way, you have to know what? God's way first. Yeah, you got to know God, but you got to know God's way. And so many times people aren't disciplining their children properly because they don't know him and they don't know how he works. And so when they get angry, they tend to bring out the, the stick and they begin to beat their kids. Okay. And that's when we talk, we read about child abuse. Okay. And so, um, so what I'm going to talk about right now, the verses that we're going to read are, they, they are not politically correct. Okay. The, the, the world is not going to agree with this. But when the world disagrees with God, whose side am I on? Amen. God's. Okay? And we see what's going on in our world today because our children have not been disciplined. They haven't been trained. They haven't been trained according to God's righteous standards. And so, all I'm going to present here is just, we're going to read it. Okay? And if, and if, this, if this causes you to be squeamish, then talk to God about it. Okay? Because this is God's plan. Oh. Gabrielle's already leaving. She says, I'm out of here. She's, she's experienced it too much. She says, I'm out of here. All right, I'm messing with you, baby. All right, so Genesis, Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and rebuke give what? Wow. The rod and rebuke give welts. That's what the world says, right? The, the rod and rebuke, they're, they're going to harm the child. They're going to physically harm the child, and they're going to emotionally scar the child, and they're not going to be able to handle this. You, you shouldn't do that. You need to always talk positively to them. Talk nicely. You know, give them what they want so they, they have a good self-esteem. Good, yes, self-image is what I'm thinking about. Self-esteem, good, okay. That's exactly right. So, but what does it say? The rod and rebuke give wisdom. A child left to himself brings what? Shame to his mother. Hmm. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Correct, Yasar, your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Proverbs 19, verse 18. Chasten, same word, Yasar. Chasten your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his 
destruction. Okay, so now we're getting a little bit more def- definition here. Okay, but it doesn't mean necessarily that spanking the child is going to bring destruction, but rather not spanking the child is going to bring destruction because I'm letting them wallow in their own self-ignorance um, rather than bringing wisdom to them. Okay, Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold, Musar, correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Mm. Now, the word there is sheol, okay, at the place of death, okay? And so the reality is, think about when a lot of people die young, is it medically that they're dying young? Or was it, quote-unquote, what we like to refer to as an accident, that they died young? Say it again. An accident. What the world would like to refer to as a, an accident. But it's a misnomer, isn't it? Because it really wasn't a what? An accident. Because they were doing what? What they wanted to do. They were acting foolishly. That's exactly right. They were following folly. Okay? I can drive 115 miles an hour in this 45-mile-an-hour zone. You know, the other ones who didn't make that turn, they just didn't know how to, know how to what? Drive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not picking on your husband. I'm picking on my own self. Okay, and so, I mean, I know what folly looks like. I lived folly. I followed her voice. And I am amazed that I'm still here. I mean, there are times when the Lord just, you know, I mean, I can, I can go back and I can picture stupidity. Okay? And, and I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to glory in that stupidity. But if you want to talk to me later, I'll, I'll, I'll glory in some of my stupidities with you. Anyways, but I, I just can't imagine, Okay? But the reality is, if I would have died in those moments, it really wouldn't have been an accident because I made those choices. That's exactly right. Okay? So, now, what about the rod? It's not going to what? It's not going to kill him. Now, can it, though? I, I'll be, I'm going to stop for a moment because I do have to address sinfulness, right? Can the rod kill somebody? Yes, 100% it can, if it's used inappropriately. That's exactly right, okay? So if you're angry and sinning, then, then that is um, uh, murder. Um, at best, it's um, uh, manslaughter, okay? At best, it's manslaughter, um, because you would sit around and say, but I didn't mean to do it, but you did. Because you started to do that while you were angry, and you should have walked away. Okay, we want to be able to justify that, um, well, I didn't mean to do it, it's not my fault, it's whatever. You know, they, if they wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have got mad. If I, you know, and then they're da-da-da-da-da. No. I'm an account. I give an account for what I have done, not what somebody else has done. It doesn't matter what my wife does, it doesn't matter what my kids do. All that matters between me and God is how I what? Responded. How I reacted. What did I say? I can't, I can't apologize for them. All I can do is apologize for me. Or, hopefully, in time, learning from my mistakes, not repeat them. Okay? Isn't it better, though, to learn from somebody else's mistake? But let's be honest. How many of you really are really good at learning from other people's mistakes and, and, and not doing it? No, no, no. You didn't. 
None of us. We, all, we, we have this sinful thing in us where it makes it so hard. We look at somebody else and go, boy, that's an idiot. I'll never do that. And then next week we're doing it. Anyways. So, um, Proverbs 22, verse 15. Pro- foolishness is bound up in the what? Heart of a child. Wait, stop. That really goes against the grain too. Because a child is born innocent. I mean... It, it, a child is, is, is just good by nature. I mean, you know, and it's, it's your environment that's corrupting it. Isn't that what the world teaches you? No, 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 that's not the case. But the reality is, I know one thing about each one of my children when they are born. They're a sinner. And their heart is corrupt. And my job, God has given me a job to help what? Yeah, get the foolishness away from them. But to, 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 to shepherd them, to, to herd them, if you would, toward Christ. Okay? And so, so I've got to have, this is, again, when you talked about earlier, Nadia, and changing the way you think. I've got to change the way I think. I need not to think like the, the world. Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. For whom Yahweh loves, he what? He chastens, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights ah so yahweh does it just like a father does it to a son in whom he what delight so if you're not that means you're not what you're not delighting in him hmm. proverbs 13 verse 24 he who spears his rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him promptly now i have learned in time though Promptly doesn't mean that I have to do it immediately. Promptly means I have to do it soon, diligently, but soon thereafter. But the reality is what I've learned in life for Bob is that Bob most of the time can't do it immediately. I like immediately, immediately, immediately because Bob had a problem before Jesus with anger. Okay? And so God didn't do one of the siphoning moments and and all of a sudden all Bob's anger problems were gone when he got saved, and now he was just this glorious guy that you see today. It didn't happen that way, right? I mean, you come into my house, and you'll find out that Bob's, God's still working on Bob, okay? And so I learned, okay, through the, the upper three. I have three families. Most people don't know that. I have one wife, but we have three families. We have the upper three, okay, Jessica, Gabrielle, and Matt, okay? Then we have the middle two, Tim and Ben, and then I have my third family, and that's Anna and Andrew, Andrew and Anna. Am I, am I right on that one, Matt? He's saying yes. That's a true statement. Because when the upper three were born, I was just a new believer. And I was learning. And they were guinea pigs. Okay? And so, I mean, I used to tell Jessica, I'm sorry, baby, you're the guinea pig. I mean, I, you know, you're going to learn on somebody, and God chose it to be you. Okay? And so, so those guys had to deal with a whole lot of God working through Bob and, and training Bob and training them. And I had to learn that I couldn't go spank right off the bat because Bob would be doing it out of anger and not out of love. And that comes across differently to the child when you know the person really loves you and they're doing it for your benefit and the person's just getting the anger out of them. Make sense? Okay, and I get that from my own bringing up, my growing up. Okay, years, and I never wanted to do that. 
But guess what? I do that. Okay? So, so but, that, but I've got to remember that I've got to do it what? Promptly. I cannot, I cannot just not do it because I have a problem with my anger. That means that I've got to understand that I'm getting this anger sensation and I have to what? Discipline in a moment. I've got to take care of Bob first. Make sense? So I've got to let my loving Heavenly Father discipline me first. Okay, and work in my life and bring me back down into the, him working through me and controlling me rather than me telling Jesus, get off the throne because I want to deal with this one of myself. Okay, and so then once that, once that happens, then I need to. I'm the dad. Okay, I need to go in and I need to take care of this. Okay, um, if I'm not there, mom needs to handle this. And Marcia knows. I never wanted to be that my kids hated, regretted worrying about dads coming home. I'm not picking on my mom. I'm really not. But I know those days. And my mom will tell you, she, when she found out that we did this to her, she you didn't do it. We, we were all together. Yeah, mom, you were an easy mark. At 5 o'clock, my dad got home at 5.20. And we sat down to eat at 5.30. Chink, chink, chink. At 5 o'clock, she was the best mother in the world. Always. We loved her. We did everything for her. We did this. We did that. Why? Because at 5.15, 5.20, dad's coming home, and we don't want mom to what? Snitch. Yeah, that's a good word. That's exactly right. We don't want to get an evil report back to our father, because dad then would take us downstairs and, and apply education to us. And so, so we didn't want that to happen. Don't do that to your husbands. Don't do that to the dads. Okay? If, if the situation happens, then you've got to take care of it. Okay? It's, it's part of the process. Okay? Um, many times there is lack of respect for the wife or the mother because the mother doesn't take care of it. And so then the kids start walking over the mother because the mother never takes care of it. Wait till your father gets home. You don't have to wait. Okay. Proverbs 20, verse 30. Blows that hurt. Blows that hurt. Cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Don't do that again. That little tap might, might hurt a little child. But when that little child realizes that that tap means nothing other than don't do that again, what happens? Risk reward. I get a tap on my shoulder. I'll take that anytime. Eat as many quick as you want because all you're going to get is a don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, mommy. Okay? And that's all plays out. Okay? So the reality is God says, no, no. There is a, there is a standard going on here. Okay? And blows that hurt. Now, again, be careful with that. Because of our sin, we can do what? We do it too much. Okay? And that's where the world does look in and they see child abuse. Okay? And I get that. Okay? And so I'm not minimizing child abuse here. However... I certainly don't want to minimize what God declares is a righteous discipline. And so we need to know that using the rod, spanking, is important according to God's standards. Okay? Do we accept the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world? Okay? It's either Jesus or Dr. Spock. You're not going to have either one, both. Okay? So, 
Regarding inheritance, two verses real quick. Proverbs 19, verse 14. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from Yahweh. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Now, each one of us are going to be in a different situation. Okay? Some, some of you are much, much richer than others of you who are much, much poorer. Okay? And so the reality is that what level those inheritances are, God's going to be involved in as well. But the principle, again, is that I am seeking to, what? Not leave my kids with a debt issue that they have to deal with. But rather, I want the other side, I want to be able to give to them even after I die. And so here's my question to you, is not just what your legacy is going to be, but what's your living legacy? My dad is giving us our inheritance as we're living. Now, there may be something that he gives us, you know, if they die, okay? But he's made the decision that what good is it for him to be storing all this money up and then give it to us when we don't need it later? And so he's giving us inheritance as we need it, okay? And I'm sure to each of the kids, they're getting a different amount based upon what they need, okay? But when my dad turned 80 about five years ago, well, it was five years ago, not about five years ago, it was five years ago. When he turned 80, and I, I was wanting to do a, a card, and he just, just impressed me on the legacy of my dad. And then I went through 80 things, because he was turning 80, that I remember about my dad. And I was overwhelmed. Because, again, it's so easy to discount the influence of your dad. Because you're stuck with him. And he's the guy that beat you. You know all this kind of stuff. But how many things my dad has done for us and is doing. But I want to leave this legacy with you. My dad is on the, on the, on the downward side. But my dad gets up every morning and spends an hour. Even in his, with the brain injury. Spends an hour reading the Bible and devotionals. Every morning. It puts me to shame. I didn't grow up like that. But I've watched God transform my dad. And it is so exciting for me to watch. His living legacy right now is spurring me on. Inheritance. Money. That's what it talks about. But I think it's much deeper than that. What is the inheritance that you're leaving your kids? If it's only money, if it's only money, it's here today and what? Gone tomorrow. Allow that legacy, that inheritance, to be something that's going to transcend into all eternity. All right, kids, we've got to run to your side. Okay, parents are like, yeah, it's about time. And you said you were going to be talking about the kids today. That's why I brought, to them. I brought them. I didn't expect me. Anyways, so to your children, okay? This is a big deal, kids, okay? So kids, this is to you, okay? Shh. So you, I'm not talking to your mom and dads anymore. I'm talking to you little guys, okay? This is all to you. And you say, oh, man, they never do anything for me. This is like, this is children's church right now, right? This is, this is it. This is, this is kids club, okay? So... Yeah, even in kids' club, we do a lot of verses, so it's really okay, okay? But this time, I'm not going to put all the verses up on the screen, guys, okay? So you're going to have to get your Bibles out. So kiddos, get your Bibles out, okay? 
Okay, so this is for you kiddos. Okay, your mom and dads are going to listen in and they're probably going to be going, yeah, 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 listen to them, listen to them. Okay. And now this is when the teenagers go, oh, I feel like I'm an adult now. I don't feel like I'm a child anymore. And I usually tell them, well, you know, at the point when you're living on your own, let's talk about that. But while you're still under my roof, guess what? You're a child. Or if you act like a child, you'll be treated like a child. Act like an adult, I'll treat you like an adult. Okay, so kiddos, we're talking about, first of all, your attitude and your attitude to your parents. Okay, so Proverbs 23, verse 22. Okay, listen, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. All right, so kiddos, I'm talking to you despised is a big word. Do not despise your mother when she is old. What do you think the word despise means? One of the kids, not one of the older kids. I mean, like the adult kind of kids, but teenagers can answer this too. What does it mean to despise? Big word. What do you think? Oh, Abram, sorry, I missed a hand. To hate, good, okay. Ultimately, you go to hate them, okay. Be, or that's what it looks like, okay? Somebody else? Look down upon. Yeah, that's exactly it. You look down upon somebody, okay? Like, they're not worth your attention anymore, okay? And so sometimes a child, just sometimes, kids, okay? You can get wise in your own eyes, and you think you know better than your moms and dads, Okay? And the Bible says, be careful, because that's not true. Rather, you're supposed to listen to your father. Okay, not just, I'm listening to him. No, but actually what? Hear him, right? And then, don't look down on your mother when she's what? Ancient. So, here's the deal. You may do well as a child because you have to. Because if you don't listen, what's going to happen to you, Abram? Abram? You're going to get whipped. I was trying not to use that word, but okay. You're going to be disciplined promptly. Okay? Yeah, you're going to be whipped. Okay? So you have to listen, and you have to honor when you're a little bitty child, right? Okay, now, bigger kids, adults, you got an older mom and dad who is ancient. Now, what do you think about them? Do you despise them? Are they a drain on you? Think about it. That's in our culture. We tend to look at our seniors as a drain rather than as a precious commodity of wisdom. That God has given them wisdom through the ages and we just want to push them aside. Okay, kids, back to you. Okay, this is a kid's play. Proverbs 15, verse 20. A wise son... Hopefully you guys want to be wise. And we can put daughter in here too, okay? But a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man or a foolish son despises his mother. Hmm. Proverbs 30, verse 17. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Don't you love biblical imagery? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of pictured. How many of you ever saw Passion of the Christ? 
Did you ever see milk? Okay, good. So do you remember, because this is not biblical. In, in Passion of Christ, it's not biblical, but it is biblical. Okay? And, and, so you, you'll get what I'm going to say in a moment when I say that. Jesus is, is being crucified on his left and right are the thieves, right? And so the one is saying, remember me you know, when you come into your kingdom, but the other one is mocking him, right? And then in the middle of the scene, all of a sudden this bird comes and lands on his cross and reaches forward and starts pop, pop, pop. That's not part of the, the crucifixion passage. But that is the application of this verse being brought into it. I love it because what was being stated by the ones who wrote the screenplay is that Jesus... As Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the eye that mocks the Father will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley. And that's exactly how it was playing out. I loved it when I saw it. I said, yes, that is too cool. It's not biblical, but it's really cool. You know, and so, so it's biblical, but it's not biblical. Anyways, you get it. But kids, so if you ever saw, if you ever see that, that's really the picture of what it's talking about. You know the eye. It's not the, even the evil eye. No, no, no. It's the kid's eye. I don't know how, I mean, as a kid, it's easy to roll your eyes backwards. You know, it's harder as you get to be an adult, you know. But the kids are always like, well, I didn't mean, dude, it's all, it's in your eyes. It's all over your face. What do you mean? It's like, someone could have taken a marker and just said, dad, you're an idiot. You know, and and, and it's like, no, I wasn't. Okay, whatever. Then we can sit there and debate. But the eye that mocks the father this is what God says. This is how it should be. The ravens of the valley, the ravens of the wilderness, mess this up. The valley, it is valley. We'll pick it out. We'll pluck it out. Okay, that's what God thinks of that. All right. So Proverbs thirty verse seventeen. This is really interesting as you consider where we're at right now. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Proverbs 19, verse 26. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Proverbs 28, verse 24. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, it's no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. I'm going to bring those together. There is a generation. So in Second Timothy chapter 3, we read about the last days and what it's going to be like in the last days. And they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. But what are, does anybody know what some of the other signs of the last days are going to be? Say again. The, the love of wax cold. That's Church of Ephesus. Disobedient to parents. Say again. Oath breakers, okay? But the disobedient to parents, that, that, that the world will be symbolized by children who are disobedient. A lawless. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So Paul refers even in Philippians chapter uh, 2, he says that you would shine forth in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine the lights of the world. But yes, but they're going to be unruly Okay, and they're going to be disobedient to parents, literally, specifically what it says. Okay, and so it says here again, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Okay, now I again, there have been multiple of these kind of generations, but as we get into this end times, the reality is that the world's going to become prevalent with this, and it's something we need to think about. Okay, all right. So attitude toward your parents. Secondly, then attitude toward correction. Let's read through all six of these real quick. Okay, Proverbs 1, verse 8. 
some of these we already read um, up above. I said we're going to read them again. So, okay, my son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs six, verse twenty. My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs thirteen, verse one. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Proverbs 12, verse 1. My kids can probably quote this. I always say, go read Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I'm not allowed to call anybody stupid, but God can. Got it? You know, because you always tell your kids, we don't use stupid. Don't call people stupid. Well, Dad, yeah, God's saying, if you don't listen to me, you're what? Stupid. Okay? Proverbs 19, verse 27. Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. So here's the, here's the deal, kids, right? Bring all those verses together. What's it saying? Kids, kids, come on, Nadia. What's it say? One of the kids. What are you required to do in your attitude toward correction? Hmm, I'm not going on. It's going to be just like Kids Club. I'm stopping and I'm waiting. Oh, go ahead. Listen to, it. to listen to it. What If you don't listen to it, then what? You're stupid, okay? You're a fool. You're walking foolishly. You're stepping into folly. You're being stupid, okay? And so, kiddos, look. You are under attack, just as your mamas and dads are under attack. And the world doesn't want you to obey your mom and dad. In fact, there are so many movies that you watch that reinforce children being rebellious to their moms and dads. Even in Christian, quote-unquote, movies. You've got to be really careful of this. Just because we put a, a Christian label on something doesn't necessarily mean it's, a, it's good for the, for the, the, as a steady diet, Okay? But, because they've got to come back. If they don't come back and say that that was wrong, then it's just kind of sitting out there as it was okay. And so the world wants you to think that you can be rebellious against your mom and dad. But that's not the case. The reality is that children, just as you live in obedience to, in submission to your moms and dads, you present to the world the picture of, of how we as children of God submit to our Heavenly Father. Always remember that everything comes back to the kingdom of God. Always comes back to the glory of God. So even like the husband and wife, right? As a husband, I represent Christ. Marcia represents the church. Together we are reflecting to the world Christ in the church. I have to remember that. Beyond everything else, that's what I can remember. So as a dad... As a dad, what am I reflecting? What my Heavenly Father, how he acts toward me. 
Okay? And so I've got to remember that. So kids, your role is the child of God in reflecting that to the world as well. And so as our key verses for the kids club, right? First Peter what? Good job. First Peter 3.15. Can you tell it to me, Andres? Just look at me. Don't worry about everybody else. Can you tell the verse to me? Always? Good job, Andres. That's exactly right. Always be ready. Always be ready. Just like now, right? Always be ready to give a defense, to give an answer to defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope. So kids, here's the question for you, especially in this day and age. Why are you so good? That's because my daddy beats me. You should see the electrodes he puts on. You know? That's not the answer. Not a right answer. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Okay? But for a child, I'm telling you, we had seven kids. Okay? And I remember, specific one lady at McDonald's in Cleveland, Georgia. We only had five back then. And... And she looked and she saw all the five kids and they were just like sitting nicely, just eating in the McDonald's. No tearing off or whatever. And she didn't even know we had all those kids sitting there until she turned around after she ordered. She turned around and she saw all these kids sitting there and she just stopped. She said, are they all yours? And I said, yeah, sure are. She said, I didn't think people knew, did that anymore. I said, that's because they don't know how to discipline them anymore. She didn't like that. Anyways, so <laughs> it was a little bit. I could have gave a better answer maybe, but that was, that's the truth. I don't know how you had five. I can't even deal with one. Can I give you a list of verses? I promise you. If, if you follow, I mean, it's one thing that God taught me way back, even though I was learning and I was messing up. God taught me that his word was true. Absolute truth truth in all things that it spoke to it was absolute and so if the world wanted to come out with a different philosophy a different standard chunk the world because they're wrong because they're listening to satan and and, and seriously and, and, and satan is a destroyer he wants to destroy your family he wants to destroy your family god wants to build your family up so i'll take god's word any day so Back to here. Finally, in your actions. Okay? So, let's run through these real fast, and then we're going to close. Okay? Proverbs 19, verse 13. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. We talked about that part last week, right? Proverbs 23, verse 24 and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad... And let her who bore you rejoice. Proverbs 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Proverbs 17, verse 21. He who begets a scoffer does so to his own sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. 17, verse 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her who bore him. Proverbs 29, verse 3. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. Proverbs 28, verse 7. Whoever keeps the law is the discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. So kiddos, and this time I'm even talking to bigger kiddos too, but little kiddos, the reality is as you grow up, you have a decision to make. 
you can either be a blessing to your mom and dads or you can bring a shame to your mom and dad. Now, hopefully this, this, it's bigger than that. Hopefully your focus is on Jesus. But take that now and magnify it bigger. In your life, kiddos, you can either bring glory to God or you can bring shame to God. The word doxa in the Greek is the word that translated glory. In its origins, literally, it means reputation. We take it as glory because we're talking about the reputation of God. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, do all to the reputation of God, the glory of God. We want to lift him up and laud him. But the reality is, whatever you do, kiddos, big kiddos, whatever you do reflects upon your father. Not just your earthly father, your heavenly father. And for the little guys, they get it. But for us bigger folks, we need to get it. That ultimately, I want everything I do to bring my father glory in the proper sense. To exalt him rather than to disrespect him. I want everything I talk about to be to his praise, not to bring to his detriment. Am I perfect at it? Not at all. But what's that called when I don't do that? What's it called when I don't do that? It's called sin. I like Good News Club's little definition of it. Sin is anything that I think, say, or do that displeases God. If I'm, if I'm doing things out of selfishness, it's sin, y'all. If I'm tearing God down, it's not righteous. It's called sin. That's just what it is. And so therefore, if, if somewhere I fail to bring God glory in something I've done, I need to confess that to him. And ask him to what? To cleanse me from all sin and to help me to grow in that area in conformance to the image of Christ. So, parents, to what have you been dedicating your children? Is there a need to alter the course? Again, I'm not getting into the things that we can, but I promise you that we, in a sense, take our kids and we place them on the altar of so many different things that isn't to the true God. And so, do I need to change the way I think in that? What does the instruction, training, discipline of your house look like? Is it biblical? Honestly, back in the beginning, it would have been reactionary. But as God got a hold of me, I began to try to apply things more and more biblically. Am I perfect? No. So like even the other day, Marsha and I were talking on the phone, and I realized I said something. So the next morning, I texted her and said, Hey, baby, I'm sorry for stating what I stated there. That wasn't, I wasn't receive. I was reacting rather than receiving. Do you understand? And so I have, you have to confess that. I mean, you're never going to be beyond this thing. And so you have to be willing to admit that you what? That you're a sinner and that you're messing up. Okay? Kids, do you make yourself a blessing to your parents? Do you cause more grief? If, if you're causing more grief, then clearly you need to change the way you think, right? And so same thing with you older kids, like adults, right? What are you doing with your parents if they're still alive? 
Do you cause them more grief or do you cause them more glory? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Help us to magnify you in all that we say and all that we do. Help us to recognize you as our Abba, as our Daddy, and that we are your children, and that we want and we want to delight in doing your will. I pray for the children that are here, Lord, that they see themselves as a vibrant part of this assembly, and that um, they have a desire to magnify you as well in the relationship with their, their moms and dads. But Lord, I pray for the moms and dads. Oh God, I pray that you would help us to truly desire your will and that we would train up our children, dedicate them to your glory. In the areas that we've failed, Lord, that we would confess that before you. And we confess it to them. And that we would start anew, um, seeking to build things upon the foundation of your word, that you might be glorified in our homes. In Christ's name, amen.